Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Good evening. As Matt said, my name's Wyatt, for anyone who doesn't know me. Um, But Matt asked me uh, about five days ago if I would share at halftime my testimony and what God's been doing in my life. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he said, there's one condition, just don't flash anyone. So I can't promise that's not going to happen, but we'll find out. (laughs) So Lady Gaga's performing. I mean, this can't be much worse. But anyway, um, I just want to share a little bit with you guys. Like Matt wanted me to share my testimony. Like he said, this is going to be controversial. Like the gospel in and of itself is a huge controversial matter. And I'm going to share how the gospel came and changed my life, how Jesus Christ changed me. Um, So where I'll start is, I mean, whenever I was first born, like, I'll tell you guys a little bit about myself. It gives you a better understanding of what I'm going to say. Whenever I was born, like, it was typical American childhood for me. Like, uh, born into a Christian home. My grandpa was a preacher. I went to his church until I was, like, eight, and he had a heart attack, and he had to retire and stop preaching. So at that point, we moved to a different church closer to my home. I live in Milton. And like, like I said, like Christianity is nothing that's ever been new to me. It's always been in my life, but I haven't always lived it. Um, as a child, I knew what it meant to live for Christ. I just didn't want to. Um, whenever I was good at putting up the Christian image when I went to church with my family. I'd put it up, but then I'd go home, and it was not that. Like I never wanted to live that. Um, in middle school started the really bad hypocrisy stage, stage of my life. Um, I got into middle school. Um, I would be one person at school and then another person at home and at church. I was very good at duplicating, putting up two faces. I'm sure a lot of you guys see that still today. Like, you say Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, I agree. I still am. And what we need, though, is grace and being changed by Jesus Christ. But that's still what I didn't have at that point in my life. I just didn't understand what it was all about. I had heard it all my life, but I'd never seen it lived out. So that started the worst stage of hypocrisy in my life. I would go to church and try to convince everybody that I was a good Christian kid. And then I'd go home, and middle school is what started my extreme addiction to pornography. Going in church, going home, watching pornography. The statistics will tell you that 80% of people, guys, are addicted to pornography. And I'm not stupid. I know that does pertain still to those in the church. So if you think you're fooling anybody, you might be but you're not fooling God. God knows that. And for me, I thought I was fooling God. It was so stupid. And I just kept doing it and doing it. And then it got to the point, that was the one break of my life. That's the one thing that started the downward spiral was pornography. And whenever I got into high school, I still tried to live that Christian life. I tried to make people think I was a good Christian, but I really was not. So as high school started, I was like, forget this. I got into studying a bunch of science and things like that. And I was like, man, this stuff's great. You get into some science and listening and reading these smart guys. Hey, God's not real. So throughout high school, I was an atheist. I did not believe in God. And it wasn't just I tried to not believe in God. I literally did not believe in God. God, from what I saw and what I understood, God made no sense. How could a loving God create people just to send them to hell if they didn't believe in him? It made no sense to me. I was mad at God. He made no sense to me. And if you asked, I would tell you that I hated God. I didn't like him. I was an advocate for atheism. I wasn't just an atheist. I would try to convince people to not believe in God as well. I would tell them that that's stupid. Don't believe in God. So that started the downward spiral there. Again, it just kept getting worse and going down and down. So as an atheist, I mean, I didn't have this 
to govern my life. This was thrown aside. I didn't care about it. I had nothing to govern my life. And to me, this was awesome in and of itself because, hey, I don't feel guilty anymore about doing these things. The pornography addiction, I don't feel bad about that anymore because the Bible isn't even real. It's fake, right? Going out, drinking, getting drunk with my friends, that doesn't matter. The Bible's not real. I do what I want. It's not really that bad, is it? Yeah, it was. Every weekend that I could do, I was trying to be out with my friends, getting drunk, doing things that I shouldn't be doing. That was my life. That was me in high school. I was trying to fit in, trying to be cool, trying to build myself up the social platform. And I mean, it worked for a while. And I look back now, and that's one of my biggest regrets in my life, is that I spent most of my time in high school trying to climb the social platform, and people knew me. People knew who I was. Yet I used that for the wrong reasons. I used it for myself. I wanted to bring attention to myself. I wanted to be the school guy. When in reality, I should have been using that to point people to the Lord, to point them to Jesus Christ. That's my biggest regret in my life right there, that I spent those four years in high school denying the Lord. Or three years. Because what I'm going to talk to you about, this is the most important thing, and this is where it gets controversial. Well, Matt was saying, the gospel was controversial. And when I was changed by the gospel, I was... 16 years old, I was going into my senior year of high school, and it was a summer before, uh, summer before my senior year, and I had a friend of mine invite me downtown over the summer to backpack VBS. I had come to the church for a while before that. I'd been hearing the gospel over and over again, but still, it's, it's not real. It's not real. That's fake. I was just here for the social aspect. I was just here to sit and be with my friends. They invited me. I didn't want to say no. I was just here for that. I was invited down to the Backpack VBS, and my eyes were open. I saw the love of God in action because I knew the Bible. I wasn't stupid. I read this book. I read this book as an atheist. I knew it inside and out, but it still didn't make sense. I say, how do you read the gospel and say that Jesus Christ saves you, and then whenever, before he went back to heaven, before he ascended, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, Yet you look in church, and Christians just go to church, and they go home and do nothing about it. A lot of you might think that when you look. If you're here and you don't believe in God, and you say the church is a bunch of hypocrites, I agree. It's impossible to read this book and come to the conclusion that it's okay to sit in church, go home, do nothing about it, come home, say, that's a good message, I'm convicted, do nothing about it again. That's not Christianity. That's not what this is about. This is about so much more. This is about sending that love of God in action to help those in need, and also point them to the Lord. And when I saw that in action that week during Backpack VBS, that's when my life was changed. I saw the love of God in action. These people have it right. They're living for the Lord. They're not just saying it, but they're going and doing it. So then I remember during that week is when I gave my life to the Lord. It wasn't a big extravagant thing. It's not like I came crying and come up to the altar and had a big shazam. I was in my room one night, and I was reading through my Bible. I go, this is real. Like, I know it. Like, I can't deny it anymore. The Holy Spirit, every time I was around, it was just convicting me. I felt that weighing in on my heart, and I knew that that was God telling me that I needed to get right with him. That's whenever I gave my life to the Lord. I professed faith in the Lord as a young child, but I didn't really understand it. That moment right there is whenever I truly say that I was saved. Because that's when I was changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. I was not a new creation until that point. The Holy Spirit changed my life. 
I'd like to tell you, too, that from that it was just, oh, walking through the prairie field and a good time. But no, I fell time and time and time again. And my friends like to hold that over my head. I have a lot of friends that knew that I was working toward living for the Lord, that I had given my life to him. And then it was like every time I fell, hey, Wyatt, didn't you just give your life to the Lord? Aren't you, aren't you a Christian now? Then I had people, I even, I remember this because it hurt so bad sitting at school when I was, my senior year of high school had started. It was right after Backpack VBS. I was wearing my VBS t-shirt. And a guy said, hey, Wyatt, weren't you just an atheist like two weeks ago? Yeah. It's hard living for the Lord. It's hard to go about that change. I get it. If you're here and you want to live for God and you say, I'm afraid. I don't know where to start. My friends have known that I have not lived for him all this time. If I start living for him right now, it's going to be hard. Yeah, I agree, but it's so worth it. Because it was not easy. That comment from my senior year of high school still sits in my head from that kid. Still does. But that's what pushed me to want to continue living for the Lord and say, I'm going to prove these people wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. I continued, but I still fell. I'd like to tell you that I did never go and drink again, that I did never get drunk again. I did. It's not easy. It's like being a baby. When you get saved, you start walking. You're going to fall. You're going to get back up. What are you going to do when you fall is what, is what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, we fall. We sin. Satan is roaring like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. Paul writes that. And we know that. We're going to fall. We're going to sin. We're going to have hard times and difficulties in our lives. But the question is, when we fall, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit down and mope and say, this is too hard. I'm not going to do it. Or are we going to get up and know that the Holy Spirit is inside of us, pushing us to live for him? Yeah, I'm going to do that. So yeah, I fell. I'll admit it. People still hang that over your head. Remember why you got saved and you're still getting drunk with your friends. Remember why you got saved and you're still watching pornography. Yeah, it happened. I fall. I stumbled. But the question was, what are you going to do about it? I got back up. I continued. I continued. And then, at the end of my, along my senior year of high school, I felt the Lord leading me and pulling me into ministry. I didn't know exactly where, but I just kind of went with it because it was like the Lord's calling me. I got saved. It was like I know this book is calling me to something so much more in my life than just sitting around saying I'm a Christian and not living for him. Um, so I got involved with looking into a missions organization called Adventures in Missions. And I'd signed up and was going to spend my summer in Nepal for two months. Um, we even had this big, like, send Wyatt off party the night before I left. And I went, I got on my plane, I went down to Gainesville, Georgia, where I was going to leave. I was spending the week there and I was going to go to Nepal. And there that week in Georgia, I still won't forget that week. It's one of the closest times I've ever had with God because... I was just praying and praying and praying. I wanted to go. I wanted to be out of the country. Yeah, I wanted to go and serve the Lord, but also it would be cool to be outside the country serving him. Like, it's like you just want to do that. Like, who doesn't want to travel? But I felt God saying, nope, don't do it, don't do it. Obviously, I'm not saying I had this vision from God and he's speaking to me. It's just you know. Like, I know he's saying no to me. Every time I'm praying about it and getting excited, all the teammates around me are getting excited. He's like, no, don't, no, no. I'm praying and praying, and I still keep feeling no. I was getting physically sick. And I was like, okay, I'm not going, I'm not going. I don't know what to do, I'm not going to go. So I called my parents and I explained it to them. And they said, well, I'll, we'll be praying for you. They gave it till the end of the day and I was going to talk to them about it. So I continued praying. My parents said they were, so I called them. And they said, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm feeling extremely sick right now. And they said, good. I was like, what? And they said, 
we were praying. Our prayer for you was if, if the Lord did not want you to go, that you would get physically sick at the idea of going. I was miserable. I was sick. I was like, okay, praise God, I'm sick. Um, so I'm like, what do I need to do now? Like, I know I'm not going on this trip. I'm not going to spend my summer in Nepal. What am I going to do? Um, and I know it's weird. I have this weird fear of taxis. But the only way to get from Gainesville to Atlanta was to call a taxi. It's like, great, I'm going to die along the way. Like some random sketchy guy's going to come pick me up. But I call the taxi. Okay, I'm calling the taxi. And I call him. And the taxi driver comes up. And he's very hood. Like he is ghetto to the max. And he, he rolls up. I put my stuff in there. I'm like, oh, God, I trust, I trust you. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. So I go in with this guy. And he was the nicest guy in the world. We're driving to Atlanta. And he needs to stop for gas. He get, goes in the gas station to get a drink. He came out and bought me a Gatorade and a bag of chips. He's like, you're a pretty good guy. Here you go. I was like, are you charging me for this? No, it's free. Thanks, man. So, like, it was so weird how nice he was. Like, God had lined everything up. Like, my fear of taxis became, this guy's buying me chips and Gatorade. Like, what the heck? So it was awesome. And I was, like, feeling the weight. I need to tell this guy about the Lord. I need to tell him about the Lord. So he's, I was like, what am I going to do? I start praying in my head. He starts asking me questions about God. Hold on, hold on. Reaching back, see, unzip, pull out my Bible. It's like, he doesn't need my answers. He needs God's answers. So I start reading to him from the Bible. He starts asking me questions about the Trinity. All right, I'm going to try to explain it. And he's like, man, I get that now. He's like, always ask my pastor. My pastor just tells me his opinions. You give me the word. I need the word. I agree. You do. And, like, our opinions don't matter. People need the word of God. That's what's going to change their life, not our opinions. Our opinions are crap. God's word, that's what we need. So I start talking to him about this, and finally after an hour and a half, we get to Atlanta. I get out of the taxi. I'm still like, man, is this what God really wants me to do? Right when I think that thought, the guy goes, sir, I know you're doing what God wants you to do. What? And he said, I said, how do you know that? And he said, you are an 18-year-old boy. And you just convinced a 40-year-old man to give his life to the Lord. Okay. Like, I was already kind of sold, but at that point I'm like, glory, hallelujah. Like, I'm good. Like, following the Lord is the biggest adventure that I have ever started on. And I want to continue that, like, for the rest of my life. This is why, like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Like, I've never got so much satisfaction out of anything besides serving the Lord. So I came back. I talked to Matt. I talked to Pastor and they gave me an opportunity to kind of help out at the church over the summer. And then since then, I've been, giving the great, been given the great privilege of working with you guys every week in a youth group. And that's been, like I said, the greatest thing I've ever done. Yeah, I could have went to Nepal for two months, but then I came back and God set my life on course. It was just like, are you going to be obedient? And the answer was yes. And what it did is started, like I said, the greatest adventure in my life. If, this, if there's anybody in here tonight and you, and you believe in God, but you're afraid of following him, I was you. But please do it. Like I said, you're going to start the greatest adventure of your life. If you're in here tonight and you don't believe in God, you're not sure about this gospel, you're not sure if Jesus Christ actually came and died for your sins and resurrected to heaven so that you can be joined with him one day, I was you. I was an atheist. I did not believe that. I was convinced. I wanted to convince other people that they, what they believed was stupid. But I'm telling you, it's real. And one of the greatest reasons I can tell you that it is real is this. Jesus told his followers to go and be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Be a witness. 
What were they a witness of? They were a witness of his resurrection. There are a certain amount of people in the New Testament that are referred to as apostles. The apostles are people who actually visually saw Jesus after the resurrection. That's why we don't throw the word apostle out there lightly. If you hear somebody say they're apostle and they're alive today, they're full of crap. They are not an apostle. But the reason why that term, apostle, was used so greatly to these individuals is they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. They could tell you, please believe what I say. The gospel is true. Jesus is real. He revealed himself to me. Trust me. Let's think of it this way. I want to give you, in my opinion, the greatest apologetic of the Christian faith. If you're here and you believe in God, listen up. If you're here and you don't believe in God, listen double up. The gospel is real. Think of this. Before Jesus was crucified, Peter denied him not once, not twice, but three times. Peter denied Jesus three times. He says, my Savior just died on a cross. Okay, what I was living my life for, that's false, he's dead, he's gone. He ran then for his life, afraid that they were going to come and kill him too. He was a scaredy cat. I would have done the same. I don't blame him. I'm just going to throw that out there. But Peter was running, scared for his life. Jesus rises from the dead, goes, appears to, goes and appears to Peter, Peter and the other disciples, and he says, I'm alive. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Peter goes, and Peter founds the modern church. Peter goes from being a scaredy cat to Peter says, kill me, I don't care. Crucify me, I don't care. That does not happen. That's a historical account. It's proven. But Peter died and was martyred for the faith. That's not just in the Bible. It's historical proven fact. Another one, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, they tried to kill him. He was another one, running for his life, scared to death. This entire story of John's death is not recorded in the Bible. It's just documented, recorded history. Fact. John was a scaredy cat. John was put into a basin of boiling oil. He said, kill me, I don't care. And the oil didn't kill him. You know what that is? That's Jesus Christ. Because he's alive and he's well. Satan is roaring like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. But God is in charge of that lion and God has him on a chain and a lesion. He says, get back in your cage. Because Jesus Christ delivered John from the oil. John was put on the island of Patmos. Then he was given a vision of heaven and he wrote the book of Revelation. Guys, the gospel is real. We can try to live our life like I did, saying that it's fake so that I can have sex, watch porn, drink alcohol, and do whatever I want. The greatest decision that I've ever made in my life was giving it to God. This is real. Guys, I just want to read a passage of Scripture for you. Because my story doesn't matter. God's does. What I want to read to you is this passage right here. It's 1 Timothy chapter 1. It starts in verse 12. Paul's writing this to Timothy. Timothy is somebody that Paul's starting to train up in the church to be a preacher. Paul writes to him, and he says... And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. 
but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now listen up to this part. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. If you all don't know a lot about Paul, I'll tell you real quick. Paul was a bad guy. Bad, Paul killed Christians. Paul was a devout Jew, and he killed Christians for believing what they believed. Paul was walking down the road to Damascus, and Jesus appeared to him in a vision. And Paul's natural reaction was to give his life to the Lord. He knew that's what he needed to do. From that specific point forward, Paul lived his life for God. The greatest missionary of all time, if you ask me. But what Paul says is exactly what I feel all the time. As I stand up here before you guys, I feel like this. As Paul stood before people, many, many people, he felt this. Yeah, Jesus came to save sinners, but I'm the chief. I'm the worst. The reason why Paul thought that is because he could see the depths of his heart. I still think that I'm one of the worst sinners. I, I, I might live right. I still struggle all the time, but I know the depths of my heart. I know the things that I think. I know the directions that my mind goes. And I'm like, nobody else does that. That's just me. I, I know I'm wrong, but at the same time, we feel that way. But he continues and says, yeah, Jesus came to save sinners of who I am chief. But what Paul says here is one of the greatest things about being a Christian, that if one thing sticks, I want this to stick. Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Here it is. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul says, yeah, Jesus came to save sinners, but he did it to me, the worst sinner of all, to show this as a pattern to those who might believe. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I sit and wallow in my guilt in my past, but I'm not stupid. I know that Jesus didn't change me for me. Jesus changed me for me, but most importantly, for everyone else so that I can be used, so that Paul could be used to preach the gospel and bring people to the Lord. It's not a selfish act. We have too many Christians that come into church every single week and say, this is for me. This church is for me. Oh, the seats aren't comfortable enough. The youth group is too annoying. The youth pastor and his assistant are just crazy. I'm going to go to another church. That's what's called consumerism. We're putting us in the gospel. And the, Paul says, no, God saved me for you. This isn't about Paul. This isn't about Wyatt McCabe. So whenever I share you my story, do I want to tell you that I had a pornography addiction? No. Let me show you. Porn kills life. Did I ever think that I, addicted to pornography, be wearing this shirt that says porn kills love, fight for love? No. Do I feel hypocritical wearing this? Yeah. But that's why I wear it. Because I know that there are people in here right now addicted to pornography. I'm not sitting here bantering on pornography. I'm just saying, admit your sin. 
Don't let your sin hold you back because if Paul let his sin hold him back, he would not have been where he was. As many people would not have come to the Lord through Paul's ministry as they did if he would have sat and wallowed in their sin. Yeah, you might feel like a dumb sinner. I do too, and I still am. But it's not about Wyatt McCabe. Everything I said, don't look at it because it's about me. I'm telling you this because I'm saying, I had this past. It might not be the worst past you've ever heard, but it's still a past, and it's not good because it was without the Lord. But I tell you that to point you to the Father. And that's what I want to say. If there's anybody in here who does not know the Lord tonight, there's one way to obtain salvation. And, God, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's easy in this, in this day and age, and this is where it gets offensive. Matt said this was going to be offensive, and it is. Islam won't save you. Atheism won't save you. You can say, because I said this as an atheist. I'm a good guy. I don't believe in God. If there is by chance some weird heaven, I live a good life. Like, I'm not a bad guy. I don't rape people. I don't kill people. I don't steal. I'm a good guy. I'll go to heaven. No, it's not about your works. Paul writes about that all over Romans. Read the book of Romans if you want to talk about works. Because it's not our works that saves us. Abraham, even, one of the greatest examples of works in history, he says he wasn't saved by his works. He was saved by his faith before he even did any of these things. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. And it's simple. We, we hear it preached so many times that the way to be saved is to say this prayer. And I'm going to be the first to tell you that that does not save you. The prayer does not save you. Jesus never said such a thing. Jesus never walked up to his followers. Imagine this. If you want to just see to me how much this annoys me as someone who was an atheist and looks into the church preaching, say this prayer and you're saved, listen to this. In the Gospels, when Jesus goes up to the, his future disciples on the boat, what does he say? What's he say to them? Follow me. Did he say, hey guys, um, I'm the Savior of the world. Pray a prayer real quick to me and you can go to heaven. No. Jesus said, follow me. Throughout the entire Gospels, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus literally picked up a cross, and he walked through the town and was hung on it. That's what he means to pick up your cross. If you want to be a Christian, follow me and pick up your cross daily. Pick up your torture device. To put it in the 21st century setting, pick up your electric chair and follow me. That's controversial. If you heard a guy walking around town saying that today, you'd say you're on crack. But that's what Jesus said, and that is because he's controversial. But picking up my cross and following Jesus is the greatest decision that I've ever made. You can start with a prayer. I'm not saying don't say a prayer, because we want to acknowledge our sin. We want to come before God, and that's, that's the greatest step, in my opinion, because we're humbling ourselves to go to God in prayer and say, God, I give you everything. I thank you for your son that you sent to die on the cross for my sins, and I just want to come to know you. And once you start that simple initiation with God, and, are, and, and I'm not just saying I'm going to pray that prayer and live like I used to for the rest of my life, but say I'm going to say that prayer and acknowledge 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone's in Christ through a new creation, I'm going to acknowledge this prayer. I'm going to give my life to the Lord and know that I'm going to be a new creation because the Holy Spirit is working within me. It's easy. Just humble yourself. Come before God and just repent. You might say, I'm a good guy, I don't do much. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Whether you just have told a lie to your mom or whether you're Paul and killed Christians, both sins are enough to keep you from the Lord. I know some of this is hard to understand, 
Like I said, if you're here tonight and you're an atheist and you don't believe in God, I was there. If you're here tonight and you're agnostic, you believe in a God, but you don't know which one, I was there. Give me a couple minutes. I'd like to talk to you about him. If you're here tonight and you believe in God, but you haven't given your life to him, you were afraid of following him, I was there. I want to talk to you guys. I want you guys to come to know the Lord because I don't do this for attention. I was giving my message and thinking about where I was to where I was now, and it brings tears to my eyes. Because this gospel is real, and this gospel changes lives. And I want you guys to do it. Because, And I'm going to throw this out here, and I'm going to finish with this, because I would be robbing you of the truth if I didn't say this. Because we, we, a lot of times we see in churches people are doing things in the name of love that's not really love. We're saying homosexuality and same-sex marriage. We love these people. We don't want to scare them away from the church. We're going to tell them that's okay. We're going to allow that. That's not love. Love is giving them the truth whether they want it or not because we know that Jesus in this book is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will ever come to God, to heaven, except unless they believe this book fully and know that Jesus is Lord. And I would be robbing you of the truth if I didn't tell you this. Yeah, being saved, we're going to go to heaven one day. We're going to live with God. But if we don't, there's the sad alternative. One question matters in this life and one question only. What are you going to do about Jesus Christ? For those in here who have said yes to Jesus and have given their lives to him, we have the assurance that one day we're going to be with him in heaven. But then there's a sad thing, and I look in this room, and I know that not everybody in this room is saved. I know this for a fact. And I want you guys, if you're not, I would love for this to be your night. Because if you do not know the Lord, there will be a day when you will spend an eternal torment in hell and separation from God. I don't want to say this because this is not something that's very accepted in society. Like Matt said, this is controversial. This is more controversial than Janet Jackson flashing you. Like, this is controversial stuff to say that if you don't believe on this God, that you will live in hell. But it's the truth. And I love each and every one of you all so much in here that I don't want you to be there. If you don't know God, you're unsure about something. Maybe you're not ready for that, but you have some questions. Please talk to me. I've been there. Like Paul says, he's the chief of sinners. I still feel like that. But I would love to talk to you guys. I'd love to give you some insight and maybe even tell you a little bit more about what God's done in my life. But I'm glad I could share with you guys. I feel a little unworthy to be a halftime show. But I'm glad that I could share, and I hope this was for not, because, guys, I spent so much time, and I know some other guys did in here, praying for this night, that the Spirit of God would transform some lives tonight. I, we would be robbed of all of our joy if we knew that everyone was just here for football and entertainment. I want you to know God. It's the greatest joy and adventure that will ever come to your life. That's all I've got to say about that. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.